Hello and welcome to the Minter Dialogue radio show number 39. This interview is with Robin Block, founder of Red Sky Vision, an award-winning production company based in England and specializing in thought leadership films, corporate communications and animations. I met Robin and experienced his talent at interviewing firsthand to cut an interview in advance of a keynote speech that I made at IABC in France. He has a vision and passion about what video can do for individuals and companies that is really worth discovering. Enjoy. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Minter Dialogue radio show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, and I'm author of the blog, themindset.com. That's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview. So let's cut to the quick. Enjoy the show. Good morning, and uh, welcome to the Minter Dialogue radio show. This morning, I'm on the phone with a chap who I met uh, via Simply Con- Communicate, uh, and a, a film that he turned with me uh, in advance of a, a conference that I did at IABC in Paris. His name is Robin Black. So, Robin, can you describe yourself, uh, what, who you are and what you do? Okay. Um, my name is Robin Block. Uh and uh, I'm a digital media producer, um, stroke filmmaker, uh, and uh, I love making great content. You know, basically, that's what it is. That's it. And in video. So you run a Red Sky Vision. Can you tell us about Red Sky Vision and what you guys offer? Yeah. Um, well, Red Sky Vision uh, was started by myself um, seven years ago. Uh, and primarily, we delivered corporate videos to the likes of Coca-Cola, Unilever, uh, and a whole host of other uh, clients. Over the years, it's evolved into uh, becoming you know, a digital media producer, so the, the kind of convergence there between websites and uh, digital development and apps and, uh, and all those kind of interesting things as, as time's gone on. But primarily, we are makers of great content, and, uh, and that's, what, uh, that's what we do. Over the last seven years, Robin, I mean, we've seen the volume of video keep just skyrocketing, and, and, ho- and thankfully, the infrastructure coming along as well. How would you describe how filmmaking has changed uh, since uh, you've been involved? Wow, you know, the biggest impact on filmmaking has definitely been the technology. Um, you know, when I started the business, uh, you know, video production was prohibitively expensive. Uh, you know, the, the equipment was very, very costly. In the last seven years, the actual cost to entry has really fallen, and that's hugely exciting. Um, you know, the, the, there's a whole range of uh, different editing systems and cameras which which are arming a whole new generation of filmmakers with the tools to actually go out and create um, really strong work. Um, The work that looks like the production values are there. You always need the skill and that original vision, but the barriers to entry now are much lower than they used to be. Well, it's funny you should say that because, I mean, as a filmmaker, typically that's going to say, "Uh uh-oh, I've got a lot more competition. But your viewpoint is that's, that's exciting. It is exciting, and you know, competition's a really good thing. Um, you know, you can see that uh, to some degree, production has become commoditized, and 
you know, as that's a, a business area that I'm obviously invested in, um, that, that's something to be aware of. But also, there's a lot of noise out there. And I think that if you get what you're doing, you know, if you can create uh, work which gets traction, which actually gets, you know, in, you know engaged with, um, you can actually create more attention because there's so much stuff out there. If you can make work that, or produce, produce work that gets seen, um, that's a differentiator right there. All right, well, that's, that's I think, the, the central nervous system of what we need to talk about, which is how on earth do you do that? Because the, the, the volume of material is out there, then the, you know, everyone is a mini Spielberg, and they're all taking their iPhones and rolling the stuff, loading it up on Vimeo or YouTube, and so the, the competition in terms of the quantity of material is there. The question I have is, how do you make your content, video content, engaging? Wow, that's a big, that's a big question. Okay, well, I think that um, what I always start with is who is the audience? You know, be very specific about what the intention of the piece is designed to do. You know, if... Uh, you know, we're not making a film about kittens, for example. You know, I used to get CEOs asking me, well, I want, you know, a million hits on YouTube. And, and actually, what's the value of that? Uh, you have to start with, you know, what, what is this piece designed to do? Audiences now uh, are being fragmented. Uh, and so you've got to really get a good idea of, you know, who you want to reach, what the purpose of. Uh, of them viewing this is how do you want to influence them? What's the story, um, and how can you get in and out within you know, the shortest time possible? Um, you know, there's this lovely phrase that I picked up in Wired magazine a few years ago, and it's this attention economy uh, we're living in. Um, there is a trend now towards creating short form content, just because you know we live busy, busy lives, um, and uh, you know how can you? Communicate a concept, tell a story effectively in as short as time as possible. And I think that that's where everything's going, and that, that's kind of what I advise my clients. Yeah, it allows people to be a lot more focused when they're yeah. trying to create the content. And uh, I was thinking about this, this notion of short form. Can you tell us what, what do you mean by short form, and what are the, what's the envelope that goes inside short form? Okay, well, it's very simple. I've got a terribly short attention span, um, so I'm particularly well placed to talk about short form content. Uh, it, the there's so many mistakes. I, I remember reading um, briefs for internal communication um, films, which you know always started off, and we want a film that's kind of seven to ten minutes long. Seven to ten minutes nowadays is an age, it's an absolute age. How people view um, videos uh, actually changes depending whether they're looking at it on a video screen, whether they're looking at it on their computer screen, um, what kind of film's being made, whether it's gonna be a talking heads piece or a more uh, interactive or animated um, piece. So there's lots of different different um, elements to consider, um, but. I think anything under five minutes can be considered short form. And actually, the kind of golden time is between 90 seconds and about three and a half minutes. Mm. If you can tell a story and keep the attention there and get it down to that kind of length of time, then I think that's a, a good place to be. 
in terms of uh, technology, I don't want to be too much geeky on this, but if you're talking to people in brand marketing and, and you say, listen, I've got a great uh, two-minute sexy video, it's got great content, what kind of direction do you provide in terms of the format? And what I'm thinking about specifically is the resolution and, and, and an ability to be, to be portable uh, across devices and platforms. Okay, well, there is a, a compromise that can happen there. Okay, so what's easy to do now um, is, is to, to make your master, your master film, you know, HD, uh, everything looks beautiful, it's beautifully graded, uh, and if you watched it on a big HD plasma screen, it would just look fantastic. In front of 100,000 people. Yeah, right? Now, unfortunately, that experience isn't going to be translated if you're streaming it over 3G onto your smartphone. And so there are compromises that can be made there. Uh, but that's, you know, it, I, I think that's a fair trade-off. Um, I had an instance this week, actually, where, where a, a colleague of mine was trying to view a link that I'd sent him on Twitter on his um, iPhone, and he was streaming over 3G, and his connection was pretty poor, so it was stuttering. So only, he only watched the first kind of minute um, of a, of a two-and-a-half-minute piece. Uh, and I, there's a kind of lesson there. You know, it's, you, you can actually end up spending a lot of time doing a lot of work on, a, on something which won't actually be seen. Um, and uh, the, the technology is there. So with HTML5, with um, Codex now, I think the H.264, which is the Apple proprietary codec, um, which Vimeo uses, um, is, is wonderful because it can be displayed on a variety of different devices, computers, smartphones. You can stream it now to your, uh, to your TV if you've got an internet-enabled TV. Um, so distribution is there, um, but again, you know, it's about where are people going to be engaging with your uh, content, and increasingly, it's going to be mobile devices. Yeah. So this is my point, I guess. You know, when I'm speaking to or <laughs> harking back to my days in in marketing, we had a, a a tendency to want to be perfect, to have a great image and. And we would get down to, you know, photo retouching and making sure that everything was spot on. The, the, what I'm hearing, and, you know, of course, I understand and share, is this notion that we need to be acceptance of a grainier resolution in honor of a better consumer experience according to a, the platform I'm on. So if I'm on mobile 3G, well, if it's going to stutter stop and the stream doesn't, fit well, I'm not going to watch anything after 60 seconds. Absolutely. I think there's a, there's a trade-off there. But it's like anything else. Your master film, um, you know, where it all starts, that should always be as good as it can be. Absolutely. Um, so, and that, you know, that depends on the amount of time you've got to prepare it. Um, and there are certain trade-offs there. But, um, you know, mobile devices, you, you want to have stuff which is really short form. You only want to be looking at something that's a couple of minutes long. Yeah, in, in any event. So one of the things um, that strikes me about video and this whole world of video, which of course is, you know, from I guess most of our angles, the future of marketing or one of the futures of marketing, is that uh, Google still can't understand what you and I are saying. So that therefore we can't find it. So the one of the, the key 
components of being findable according to your audience that you've identified, we talked about earlier, is getting your tagging right. So what, what is your viewpoint on that? In terms of a meta, meta yeah, metadata. Metadata and, and making sure your video is findable. Well, it's, it's absolutely crucial that you um, have a system in place where there is consistent metadata. Met, metadata, all it is really, is just making sure that you're putting the right search terms um, and I suppose cross-pollinating where you're uh, seeding these videos. So for example, if you're producing something which, is, which you'd like to be searched in Google, it's a good idea to seed that film on as many video platforms as possible because it gets better SEO and it, it becomes um, you know, Google likes that. There's a great there's a great service called TubeMogul.com, um, which is a service, and I think it, I believe it's free um, to start with, where you can upload one film set up a variety of different channels on different video sharing websites and it will take that one upload and, and share it with those other platforms, which is great if you're uh, you know, trying to uh, get your, your content out there. So, for example, some of the microsites that we create, um, the uses for a film, that it might go on a microsite or website, it might go out on an email newsletter, it also goes on Vimeo, it also goes on YouTube, and it's one kind of conduit to kind of uh, mm. it all out there rather than you having to upload it all separately and do that. And also TubeMogul lets you be consistent on the metadata, so you can put all your search terms in, um, and, uh, and that's how it works. Well, I love that. Can you, um, when, when you do your videos, you know, the one you did on Mia, which I really love and I'll be, of course, talking about, but is uh, you add in lots of other images. Can you talk us about image rights? Because that seems to me uh, another area of, of uh, that's a little bit foggy for me. Okay, well, we are, as a production business, we're lucky that after seven years, our library of um, cutaway material is pretty is pretty good, um, but there's great services out there where you can buy wonderful stock footage. Um, iStock Video or iStock Photo is a great, I, I think it's iStockPhoto.com, which mm-hmm. is a great resource um, for anything that you type in there. They normally have a great little video which you can use as B-roll, um, and uh, you know, it's great. It adds to the, to the palette that you can create with. Um, so you don't have to run out and go to Hong Kong yourself to <laughs> take an extra shot. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, the, I love this idea of being in a remixed world. You know, there's a, I'm going to go off topic very slightly here, but um, one, of the, one of my kind of geeky obsessions is with the scientist Carl Sagan. And um, he did in, in America in the uh, I think in the eighties he did this kind of groundbreaking TV series called Cosmos, uh, and he, he wrote it and it was an amazing series for its time. But some of the monologues in there are you know poetic, and uh, there's this this uh, YouTube channel called the Sagan series where they've taken his monologues and kind of re-edited them with new visuals taken from NASA and time lapses, and it's just stunning. 
And uh, that's an example of this kind of remix culture. So bringing different bits of filmmaking and content together and reimagining what, what was into something new for a new audience. Mm. Well, you know, it speaks to the timelessness of what he, or at least the forward-thinkingness of what he said. Yeah, absolutely, and I, you know, and I, and I love that. The, another example was the um, Charlie Chaplin speech at the end of uh, that classic film, The Great Dictator, you know, which got uh, re-edited and with new visuals put on, and it got millions and millions of hits. Well, I mean, is this where we talk about the Hitler speech too? Just kidding. <laughs> like, it's, it's a great example of how, um, you know, new audiences can be won. I just think it's such a brilliant time at the moment to be in marketing or media. There's just so much convergence. It seems like there's a, an amazing idea, amazing new service happening every week. And really, it's like, how do you keep track of it all, really? But yeah. it's a... Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an exciting time, definitely. All right, well, I, I totally agree with you. So, um, Robin, I was, uh, we, we worked together on this uh, signature profile that you did of me. And can you tell us what you are up to in that space? I know you've got some new things in the pipe. Yeah, well, um, I was fortunate enough to have interviewed, interviewed you, Minter. <laughs> sure, uh, thanks. Uh, and I and I and I thought that I was particularly grueling with you in our kind of hour-long session. I'm still struggling. Still, still struggling with it. But actually, it's a great idea. Okay, so there's just so much noise out there in the world, and I'm a real believer in um, video when it works well. When you make a beautiful film about somebody, it has to be authentic, and the the real goal should be to create something which is. For the audience, um, it gives them a, a kind of experience of what that person is like. So my goal for the film that we made, because that film's a short film, I think it's about three and a half minutes long, um, is just to give the audience a sense of who you are. And I, and I remember saying to this to you at the beginning of the interview, um, I said, Minter, it's not just about what you're saying. Um, it's about how you're saying it. Because... Um, it's an intimate experience. That interview, actually, our relationship that we forged during that time together, which is quite intense, um, that relationship is actually what's on screen. And so uh, I wanted to create something which gave a sense of who you are, in, in my opinion. And I think, you know, we did it justice. I think it's a nice piece. I think it's very accessible. And I think if someone didn't know you, hadn't met you and watched it, they'd get a, a good feeling for the kind of man that you are. And that's, that's the goal. Um, we are in an environment now where we're bombarded with information all day long. Uh, and if you're a speaker or a consultant or a public figure, um, what I'm trying to deliver now is almost like a, a singularity. One asset, one film, which is a touch point for you. So if we have that, if I'm... If I'm looking at doing business with you, or I just I'm just you know interested in who you are or what you're offering, I can see something. I can, as as the audience, I can uh, experience you. Probably the best way of putting it, uh, and get a get a good authentic sense of who you are uh, in as short a time as possible. And let's keep that interesting. So that so that uh, that 
opportunity I see at the moment. And so right now you you are already doing that, but in the, you're, you're I know you're working on the, a new portion of your site. When when's that going to be up? Um, well, that's a very good question. Within the <laughs> next fortnight, uh, that that site it's going to be signatureprofiles.com. Um, it's a new service which is powered by my company, which is exactly what it what it says on the tin. It's a signature profile. It's using video to capture who you are on a good day. Well, and, and so and listening to you and having done the experience with you, I, first of all, I appreciate your angle and your, you know, your desire to understand the content and the person, which allows for such a different type of experience. For companies or brands, where I see opportunities for that kind of activity is on an employer brand standpoint. So you could get the CEO to to speak in a realer tone to potential employees and, and for that matter, of course, transparently also to uh, clients because in the end of the day, it's the same person who should be speaking to both, right? Because the CEO still has a commercial arm, speaks to shareholders, speaks to employees so that there's opportunities for what I would call personal branding within a corporate space. Absolutely. I think that you've articulated that beautifully. And there, there lies the opportunity. You know, the, the walls are coming down. There's this trend to kind of open business, open dialogue. And um, I think in a word, it's, it's about humanity. You know, we are much more than we think we are. You know, and so we're not, you know, if you're a CEO, if you're a leader of a business, you know, your, your persona really should encapsulate the culture of that business. And, um, you know, we want to create work which actually feels authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, who are you as a person? What inspires you? Um, you know, how, how can we feel that? You know, the, gone are the days of doing a piece to camera with an auto cue, you know, with, with no emotion. You know, we're not grey 1984 Orwellian. <laughs> kind of drones, we're human beings, and it's that humanity, I don't mean to kind of sound hippy-dippy on this, but, you know, like, that's actually what we are, and it's, there's a, a tremendous seismic shift happening culturally, corporately, in, you know, in Europe at the moment, and I think that, um, you know, people want to invest respect in their leadership. And I think in order to do that better, we need to bring down some of those walls and then who we are. It's funny because you you have um, the big brother comment, or at least this notion of the the scariness of technology, but what you're saying, and we we keep on hearing it for those of us who are in it, the humanity of technology. I want to sweep back right back into one other uh, thing which you are up to. Robin, which is uh, with regard to this philanthropy project, because I think it's interesting from a brand perspective for someone who's in branding who says, well, I want to go out and reach the influencers in my space uh, and and how do I engage with them and and how does that work? So could you tell us what you've done in the philanthropy space and and we'll talk about maybe what are the lessons learned for branding? Okay, well, um, I think the, the, the philanthropy uh, project. Um, it's a film and a channel called Philanthropy in the 21st Century. 
Uh, and it's designed, um, there's a trailer, uh, which I'm sure you'll be able to find in the uh, show notes. No doubt. Um, my goal was very simple. The, the way philanthropy, well, philanthropy as a subject is um, very, very dynamic at the moment. Uh, you know, the journey used to end with a check, and now the journey of a philanthropist begins with a check. So there's so many different issues in that area. There's social enterprise there's venture philanthropy, and it's a very kind of uh, hotbed of, 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 of discussions and ideas and, uh, you know, key influences getting involved. And so what I wanted to do was um, get the best people, the most influential speakers on philanthropy together, create a film which really looked at how philanthropy was changing uh, and, uh, you know, provide the opportunity to direct the debate. And that's what we're in the process of doing. Um, and to answer your other question, which was how, for, for a kind of brand marketer's perspective, how do you get other people to share your message? Um, well, actually want to participate with you much less share your message because near... it's about the, the answer to that is a simple one. It's about shared agenda. You know, you need to create a project a goal which everybody can win. So if I want to go and speak to a government minister or get access um, to you know, key influencers, uh, the way to do it is to create a shared agenda, create a film which is going to help them get their viewpoint across. Well, with the key there, I think there are two things that I take away from it. The first is specific to philanthropy in the sense that it is a mission unto itself. So it's a higher plane than just a commercial cause. So for brands, instead of saying, well, I I want to flog more of my products, take it up a notch and move into a, a space that has some stronger human interest or values, and then we're already in a potential win-win, or at least we're in, a, in another place. The second thing is the shared agenda story. And that sounds easier said than done because what you need to do in order for that to happen is you identify the key influencers, but then you need to research sufficiently what they're all about in order to be able to make sure that there's a match with what you're about and what they're about. And that takes some thinking. It does take some thinking and it takes a bit of time. And also it's very much like a snowball. So if you get one key influencer on board, chances are you're going to get more. Once you get a few, you kind of hit a tipping point and then, you know, you get you get everyone else involved because everybody wants their say. Um, and, you know, I love doing that. That's my favorite thing in the world, getting access uh, to very, very smart people. Um, and we've got good experience of this now. We've done it on a variety of different projects. Um, and uh, I think it's all about everybody benefiting from it mm. ultimately you know creating awareness I think uh, these films are greater than the sum of their parts you know so it's all about who you get involved um, and uh, yeah it's a it, it's a, one of the key things I enjoy um, it's that journey it's it's coming up with a concept it's doing the research on who you want you have a kind of wish list of who you want to get involved in these films and um, you know, it's a, it, it's a great journey. And also, it's an opportunity to be around 
very, very smart people, which I think is, is pretty enriching. Super. All right, well, Robin, uh, thanks for spending the Saturday morning with me. Uh, can you let me know or let us know how people could uh, get in touch? What's the easiest way to reach you if you're interested? The easiest way is to shoot me an email, uh, robin at redskyvision.com. Um, and you know, thank you very much for having me on and it was a real pleasure to uh, make that film with you um, and, uh, and I'm delighted to have uh, you know, participated this morning. The voyage continues, Robin. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Alright, thanks a lot, Robin. Thank you. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue radio show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. If you like the show, please don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or tweet it out. And if you speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails. Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 